is real, is it not? And boy, praise the Lord for that. Wonderful. How many of you brought your Bible tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? We'll ask you to take your Bible down and open it to the book of 1 Samuel uh, in the Old Testament tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And uh, if I, ha I have an old Scofield Bible, if you do, that's page number 319. And if you'll find your place there for just a moment and then leave your Bibles open. And I'd like to read more than I normally read and then uh, just bring a thought from the Word of God here this evening. 1 Samuel Chapter 1, is this thing on? Am I on? Can you all hear me? Amen. Hallelujah. Turn me down, whatever. First uh, Samuel chapter number 1. There I come in. Now I can hear me. That's good. Hey, can I say this? I know probably many of you have been asking or maybe wondering about all this, and I really meant to talk about it last Sunday night and just didn't do it. And so I wanted to save it till tonight because more of us here. And, uh, but anyway, I want to let you know what happened about the church, uh, the, the sale of the property and how all that came out. You know, it was supposed to be on a done deal by March the 31st that the Christian school that brought all the property down there was supposed to have everything paid off by them. But then, of course, you know, the coronavirus, all that set in. But to make a long story short, it was paid off. I want to say probably around the 2nd or 3rd of April, we did get the entire payoff uh, from the property down there. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, thank you for praying about that. And uh, let's say amen to the Lord for that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we got that money. And uh, so we're going to be talking about what our next step is, where we go from here. And we've got a little strategy worked out that we would like to present to the church here before too much longer. But I just want you to know we got the money. Now you say, oh, brother, now thank God for that. No more stewardship offering. That's right. Not till next Sunday. That's exactly right. Now, don't, now's not the time for us to quit giving. I mean, now's the time to really, you know, pile it up now because we're moving forward. We need to gain some momentum going forward. And uh, so I'll let you know, maybe in a Wednesday night coming up before long, we can have a, just a church-wide business meeting and talk about that. But I want you to know, in case you haven't heard, and, uh, of course, we've not really made a big, uh, you know, a big to-do about it, but uh, what is it Barney said? A big melange about it. We didn't do that. But uh, anyway, that's a done deal now. So we're out of that. They've, they purchased that property. We got the money. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Breathe a sigh of relief. And at the same time, now's the time to really get going. Amen. The king's business requireth haste. Now's not the time to back up, is it? Now's not the time to sit down. Now's the time to attack, 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 and to move forward. And uh, so we got a plan. I'll be talking to you about that coming up in the next couple of weeks here about where we're going to go from here. So let me just encourage you to keep on giving and whatever you do, don't quit that now. Not time, now's not time to do that as we move forward in these days. All right? 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you're there, would you say amen? Let's begin reading. Of course, in verse 1, we read about this man by the name of Elkanah. His name was Elkanah. Then verse 2 said that he had two wives. Remember the story. This man Elkanah had two wives. The name of the one wife was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah, well, she had children. But verse 2 says, Hannah had no children. And this man, Elkanah, uh, went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons, and her daughters. Now notice that's plural. 
So she had more than one son. She had sons. So she had at least two sons. And she had daughters, once again, in the plural. So at least she had two daughters. So he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, now this is the other wife, the other woman, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, talking about Hannah, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, uh, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli... Boy, he's out of touch, isn't he? I mean, he's got to say this preacher is out of touch. Eli thought she had been drunken. Isn't that amazing? And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Verse 14, Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. The word Belial, that's an Old Testament word for the devil. Don't count me as a daughter of the devil, she said, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, that's all I want to read, but I want to ask you to leave your Bibles open here tonight. I want to talk a little bit more about Samuel's story. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the good singing, good music, Lord, letting us be together on this Sunday night in the Lord's house. I pray you'd help us now. Lord, may we just set aside everything that's uh, uh, on our mind tonight, but our, but, but our relationship with you. And may you speak to us, and may you help us tonight from the Word of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when it comes to leaders, to the leaders, the to leaders, the Bible makes it very clear that character counts when it comes to leadership. In fact, here's what the Bible says about leadership. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 2, the Bible said that when the righteous, when somebody that's saved, when they're right with God, when they are in authority, the Bible said the people rejoice. But the Bible said that when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. 
Now that one verse there tells us the value of godly leadership. When the leader of a people is a righteous person, when, a, when people have righteous leadership, not only does the leader prosper, but the people prosper as well. However, on the other hand, when the character of a leader is wicked and ungodly, then not only does that leader not prosper, but the people do not prosper as well. Now, of course, if you want to find an illustration of that verse right there, all you got to do is move through the Old Testament. Because every time that Israel had a godly leader, a good leader, the Bible said that the nation itself, it prospered. They would go out and fight battles. And many times wouldn't even have to fire the first arrow. You know why? The Lord would fight the battle for them and give them a great victory. And God blessed his people when there was righteous leadership. On the other hand, we read in through the, throughout the Old Testament about when Israel had a wicked leader. And buddy, when they had a wicked leader, we read about some of the, uh, the uh, tragedies and the atrocities that took place because the leadership was bad. Well, I've said all this to say this. Uh, this man Samuel that we're talking about was one of the godliest leaders that Israel ever had. Samuel was the last of the judges. Now, you've got to remember, the judges were people who, who led Israel from the deaths of Moses and Joshua up until the time that God instituted uh, the, uh, and, and introduced the kings into the nation of Israel's history. And out of all these judges, and by the way, there were 14 of these judges, and out of all of them, this man Samuel was uh, the greatest, the godliest out of them all. But the story of Samuel, oddly enough, doesn't begin with this man by the name of Samuel. It actually begins before Samuel was ever born. His story actually begins with a woman, his mama. She would ultimately go on to be the mother of Hannah. But we read about her story, the problems that she went through before Samuel was ever born. Her name was Hannah. Hannah's name, the name Hannah means grace or it means a favor. And as we saw last week, Hannah was a woman with a great problem. We're going to see this week, this woman with a great problem prayed a great prayer. She received a great promise, and she offered unto God a great praise. You know, one of the things that we're all behind on is offering praise to God for the prayers that he's answered for us. Too many times we pray, and we ask God to do some things for us, and then God does those things for us, and then we, you and I, I do, move on to the next thing without ever stopping long enough to thank God for the former thing that he answered my prayer regarding. And Hannah was a woman. Boy, she had a big problem. We talked about that. Talk a little bit more about it tonight. She had a big problem, but she prayed a great prayer. God gave her a great promise, and she offered a great praise. Now, there's a lot of people in this room tonight, just like Hannah, you got a great problem in your life. That's exactly right. You sit in this room tonight and you are facing some kind of a situation in your life that we would have to say was a, would be a great problem. In fact, I believe this tonight. There are more problems in this room tonight than there are people. And the reason I say that is because, you know, some of us, we don't just have one problem. We got two problems. Or maybe we got three or four problems, multiple problems. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody sitting in here tonight and you got a problem with some type of besetting sin that just keeps you beat down in your life. I mean, there are times when you just give that sin up, you lay it down, 
only to find that it comes right back in your life once again and you pick it right back up and you just seemingly can't get the victory over that one sin. You know, if you could get the victory over that one sin, you can move on in the Christian life, but it just seems like there's just one sin that just keeps beating you down, keeps hammering you down, keeps uh, knocking you down, and you try your best to, to get rid of it. You bring it to the altar, you lay it here, but before long, it's crept right back into your life. Maybe you've got a sin problem tonight. Maybe you've got a family problem. You know, maybe you're sitting here tonight and your children have gone wayward and they're rebellious tonight. Maybe your kids don't even resemble the child, the person that you brought them up to be. You brought them up to love the Bible and to love the house of God and to love the people of God and to love the Son of God and yet they've rebelled against all that. They've turned. They've gone away from that and they don't even resemble the people that you brought them up to be and your heart is breaking tonight because you got some kind of a family problem with your children tonight. Maybe it's a marital problem. Maybe, maybe you've got difficulties in your marriage. Maybe y'all been together too much lately. You've been sequestered. You've been shut up. You've been shut in. You know, I read recently that uh, domestic violence skyrocketed during this time of a, a stay-at-home order uh, because people were not used to being together. And a man, they were there was a lot of domestic violence going on during this time. By the way, can I stop and say, it's a pretty low-down man that wants to beat and smack around his wife. Can I have an amen right there? Hey, can I tell you something? I've told, I told my son-in-law when he married my daughter, I said, I just want to tell you one thing. Bless your heart. I didn't raise her to be a punching bag for you. And listen, I'm an old man, and I just soon to spend the rest of my life in jail. And if you start beating on her, I have no problem either hiring a hit man or doing it myself to take you out of this world. Can I have an amen right there? There ain't a daddy in this room that raised your daughter to be a punching bag from some old punk, some old chicken that ain't got enough sense to stand up to another man but wants to slap around his wife a little bit. God have mercy on people like that. I tell you what, bless your heart, if you want to beat around on you, you meet me out back after church is over. Fight there in five minutes, start without me. But in God's name, don't beat on your wife. I mean, my soul, what's wrong with us? Amen. Maybe you got some marital problems tonight. Maybe it's some of you women beating on your husband. I heard about this little boy said, uh, I bet my daddy can whoop your daddy. He said, I bet he can too. He said, my mama can whoop my daddy. Hey, can I tell you, maybe, I don't know, maybe you got some kind of marital issue brewing in your life tonight. And boy, that problem is there. Maybe, maybe it's a problem with your in-laws. Oh, brother. Boy, it got quiet on that one, didn't it? Maybe you got problems with in-law problems tonight, you know? And by the way, it takes just as much grace to be a good in-law as it does to be a good husband or a good wife. Can I have an amen? Thank God for good in-laws. Thank God for in-laws who love Jesus, recognize their place, and stay out of the business of their married sons and married daughters unless they're asked to intervene. Boy, I tell you, thank God for good mom and daddy in-laws. But maybe you got problems with your in-laws tonight. Amen. Marital problems, family problems. Maybe you've lost your job. I know one, one of our men called me recently and said, Preacher, I, I lost my job during this time of this pandemic. Maybe you're struggling tonight to pay your bills. Whatever. Maybe you're hitting here tonight just like Hannah and you have got a great problem. And you just need God to do something for you tonight. You just need the Lord to touch you. You need for God to work in your life. You need for God to intervene in your situation just like like Hannah did. Well, I want to tell you, bless your heart, I think we find out 
how God moved in the life of Hannah in this text and did a miracle in her life tonight. I just want to share that with you. Can I talk a little bit about that? Hannah got what she needed from God. And I want to tell you how she did it tonight, all right? Now think about what she could have done. I mean, we know the story of her life. We know that every day, I mean, she's going through problems. That old other woman in the marriage, Peninnah, she's just provoking Hannah, making fun of Hannah. I mean, won't, get, won't let up. I mean, Hannah is really hurting here. And I got to thinking about two or three things she could have done here in this situation. First of all, she could have sought revenge. I mean, she could have took matters in her own hand. She could have maybe went up just to run Peninnah's jaws or maybe hired a hit person. You know, my wife watches him snap. She could have hired somebody to come. I get afraid she watches him things all the time. You know, them's the ones where the women take the husbands out. But uh, maybe she could have hired somebody to come in and maybe just uh, take taken care of old Panina. She could have got revenge. Then I thought about this. She could have ran away from her problem. I mean, she could have just said, Elkanah, I love you, but I can't handle this anymore. I'm out of here. She could have just run away from her problems. She could have rebelled. She could have just said, I ain't going back up out of that church no more. I mean, I've just uh, she could have rebelled against it all. But Hannah didn't do that. Buddy Hannah shows us how to get what we need from God. So if you'll join me tonight in this text, I just want to give you, and by the way, don't tune me off. Don't turn me off here for just a minute because the first, well, they're all simple, but I just want to share three things that Hannah did to get a hold of God. First of all, I want to say, first of all, number one, if you look in our text, Hannah, number one, came up to the Lord. Hannah came to the Lord. Now, don't turn me off yet. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 7. The Bible said that she went up. See right there in the middle of that phrase, verse 7, she went up to the house of the Lord. Now, can I stop and say, Hannah needed something from God. Hannah needed for God to move in her situation. Hannah needed for God to intervene in her, in her life. And the, and, and the Bible said that the first thing that she did is she went up to the house of of the Lord. Can I say this? At the house of the Lord is where we meet the Lord of the house. Aren't you glad for the house of the Lord? Now, of course, we know, according to verse number 3, they're talking about that Old Testament tabernacle. That was the place that God had instructed for Moses to build. And that was the place where God's people in that day came to meet the Lord. Can I show you a verse regarding that Old Testament tabernacle? It's Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. And here's what God told Moses. God told Moses, and there at that house, that tabernacle, he said, and there... I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee. In other words, God said to his people, hey, this tabernacle, this building here, now we know it was a portable church, so to speak. They picked it up, moved it as they journeyed through the wilderness, but it was at that place, at the house of the Lord, that God said, hey, I'm going to meet with you there, and I am going to commune with you. And the Bible said they had set that tabernacle up in a place by the name of Shiloh, and the Bible said that Hannah, along with Elkanah, and along with Peninnah, and along with Peninnah's children, they had gone up to the house of 
the Lord. She wanted to meet with God, so she journeyed to the house of the Lord. She went to the house of God because church was the place that God had specifically designed for his people to meet with him, to commune with him. Hannah needed a meeting with God. She needed a touch from the Lord. She needed for God to do something for her, so she went up to the house of the Lord. Now, I get it. I understand. Boy, that sounds simple, but it's not as simple as it sounds because remember back to the situation of her day. Remember how that her country was in the mire. Remember how that it was in the days when the judges ruled. There was no king in Israel. Every man that was doing that which was right, they were burning police cars, breaking glass, setting dumpsters on fire. I mean, they were doing all that stuff back in those days because Israel had no leader. They were away from God. And any time people get away from God, the end result will always be confusion and chaos and corruption. Boy, her country was in, a, in the mire. Her country was in a mess. Can I say tonight, our country is in a mess. It's in the mire. We're embracing things that God said we should never, ever embrace. We've accepted them. Man, we're letting things go on that we shouldn't let go on. Our country is in the mire. Her church was in a mess. Again, we read in verse number 3 that, oh, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And then we go over to chapter 2 and we read about how ungodly these boys were. I mean, man, not only was her country in the mire, her church was in a mess. She could have said, man, I'm not going up there. The preacher's kids have gone crazy. Our country's in a mess. And then think about this. Her childlessness was a mystery. I mean, why in the world did God shut up her womb? I mean, why in the world of, of those two ladies, Peninnah and Hannah, if I was God and I was going to give one of those ladies a baby, it sure unto God wouldn't have been Peninnah. She's not shown to be a woman of great character. She's shown to be a woman of great callousness and carelessness. If I was going to give a child to somebody, I'd have gave it to Hannah. But God had not done that. The Bible said that he had shut up her womb. The Lord had done that to her. For some reason, Hannah could not conceive. So here she is now. And against all of this stuff going on in her life, the Bible said that she went up to the house of the Lord. She could have offered every excuse as why not to go. She could have said, our country is in the mire. She could have said, our church is a mess. She could have said, God's not been fair to me. God's not treated me right. I mean, here I am in this situation and every day of my life, I'm tormented by this other woman. God has let me down. He's treated me unfairly, but she didn't use any of those excuses. No, sir, we read that she went up to the house of the Lord in spite of all that was happening. She picked up all that burden. She picked up all those problems and she carried them up there because she knew if she could get to the house of God, there was a God there that could help her in her situation. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you that what that tabernacle was to Hannah, thank God Woodland Baptist Church is to us. Aren't you glad there's a place where God said, I'll meet with you there. Where God said, I'll commune with you. Where you can pick up your burdens and your struggles and your problems and you can come in the the house of God. You might be burdened down and weighted down, but aren't you glad we can walk in here and we can commune with God. We can meet with God. And ladies and gentlemen, we can find grace to help in the time of need. Well, I thank God for the church tonight. You say, preacher, 
We got a lot of problems. You're exactly right. We got a lot of problems, but we got a good God, don't we? Amen. You say, preachers, a lot of people in that church ain't what they're supposed to be. You know, son, you're exactly right. And you're probably listening to one of the biggest ones in here tonight. But aren't you glad we got a big God? Hey, I can find fault with everybody in this room. You can find fault with me. But thank God I can't find any fault with our God. I can't find any fault with the God of this house right here. He's never let me down. He'll always be there. He'll lighten the load. He'll pick up the pieces. He'll help me through the struggles of life. She went up to the house of the Lord. She came, she came to the Lord. Maybe tonight what you need to do is pick up all that stuff that you brought in here with you. All that stuff's got you burdened down. All that stuff's got you beat down. Won't you just pick it up and just bring it to the Lord tonight? Amen. He's here and his promise is, hey, I'll meet you there. His promise is, hey, I'll commune with you there. Thank God for the church. Hannah came to the Lord. Number two, not only did Hannah come to the Lord, but Hannah called upon the Lord. She called upon the Lord. Now, again, her life is one gigantic mess. Her home life was a mess. I can't even begin to probably describe to you the contention and the strife that was in that, that man Elkanah that was in his house. I mean, you got two women here vying for the effectual the affection and the approval of the same man. And then you've got to add in the fact one of these ladies can have children and the other lady cannot have children. And that makes the situation all the more unbearable. Buddy, when Hannah came up to God, I'm telling you, her life was a mess. But when she came to the Lord, she didn't stop there. She just didn't go up to church and sit down. Buddy, when she got there... She called upon the Lord. Now, you got to understand, let me go back for just a moment. Can I use four words to describe how she came to church? First of all, number one, she came barren. She came barren. She was unable to conceive. Can I say it like this? There was nothing going on on the inside. Maybe can I say it like this? She was dead on the inside. There was no life. She was, she was, she was barren. Maybe you come to church tonight and boy, on the inside, you're dead. Maybe on the inside is not anything going on. Let me tell you how you know God's on the inside of you. Every once in a while you feel him moving around. We got some ladies in our church tonight that are expecting babies. And, and you know, thank God for that. But can I just say, you know how they know they got a baby in there? Because every once in a while they feel it moving around a little bit. Can I tell you something? If you don't ever feel God moving around a little bit on the inside, you better check up. Maybe you're missing something tonight. But I'm telling you, when somebody as big as God moves into somebody as little as me, he's going to poke out somewhere. I'm going to feel him moving around in there once in a while. He's going to bump into a rib cage or to a liver or, bless your heart, to a pancreas or to a gallbladder. He's going to bump into whatever else is in there, nuts and bolts or whatever. He's going to bump into something in there once in a while. I'm going to feel him moving around. But I tell you, in her life, she was dead on the inside. Boy, I wonder who walked into this building spiritually tonight. You ain't felt God moving in a while. Maybe on the inside there's no signs of life. She went up barren. Can I say this, number two? She went up broken. She went up broken. Her heart on the inside had been shattered into a thousand pieces. I've never struggled with that, but some of you ladies that have really struggled trying to have a child, you can just imagine how it must have been month after month, year after year. And, and then to add uh, uh, injury to insult or insult to injury, maybe I should say. Here's this other woman. 
and she won't let go. I mean, she's constantly just bearing down on Hannah. You're not a real woman. Something's wrong with you. You're just a shell. And, and I mean, you could just hear all that in her heart. She, she's barren, but she's broken. But not only that, I could say this, she's bothered. I mean, this adversary of hers had just beat her up day by day. She was provoked day by day. This adversary wouldn't let up. By the way, boy, old Penina here is a picture of the devil, isn't she? Boy, the devil don't let up, does he? You can be sitting in a good service and the devil comes around and starts reminding you of something. Amen. I mean, he won't let up. I mean, even when you, don't you just wish you could walk in the door and this would be a devil-free zone? Don't you just wish there was somewhere you could go and get away from that rascal for just a little bit? But I mean to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, day by day as she lay and tried to sleep at night, she was broken. She was barren. And she was, she was bothered by her adversary. But can I say this? She is burdened. I mean to tell you, she was burdened. Her burden, her, her, her heart had reached the point of desperation. She needed for God to do something for her. And with all that going on in her life, she went up to the house of God. And with all that going on in her life, she made her way to the altar. And she began to call upon the Lord. Can I say this? She may have been barren. She may have been broken. She may have been bothered. She may have been burdened. But she was believing. She was understanding. There was a God in heaven that could do something for her. Maybe she'd been told the story of Sarah back in the Old Testament and Abraham and how all those years went by and Sarah had struggled trying to produce and conceive and all those struggles and finally God did it. Maybe that encouraged her heart. And if God could do that for Sarah, she thought maybe God will do something like that for me. So she went up to the house of God and buddy, once she got there, she started praying. Look at verse, uh, verse number 10 of our chapter. The Bible said she prayed unto the Lord. Now watch this. Hey, give me, give me, let me give you some good advice. When you got struggles and burdens, bring them to the house of God. And when you get here, just don't sit there. Bring them up here to the altar. Call upon the Lord. By the way, thank God for a church that still believes in the altar. Amen. This is the place where God meets with us. This is the place where God communes. Buddy, she calls out to the Lord. Let me do this real fast. I'm going to move through this quickly. I just want you to see her prayer. First of all, notice, if you will, the prudence of her praying. The prudence of her praying. What I mean by that is, boy, it's so wise and it's so fitting for Hannah with all this mess on to pick it all up and just bring it to the Lord. By the way, can I give you some good advice? When troubles mount up in your life, Pray more, not less. When troubles, when your life gets in a mess, and when you're barren, and when you're broken, and when you're bothered, and when you're burdened, don't pray less, pray more. I mean, this lady, she went up and she began to call upon the Lord. How many times do you and I, when the troubles mount up in our life and we get barren and broken and bothered and, and uh, all that stuff is going on in our life, we want to pick up the phone and call others and talk to them about it. Hey, why don't you pick up the royal telephone line? Hey, why don't you just get on your face before God? Instead of trying to talk to everybody else and, and get their advice about it, why don't you just bring it to the Lord? If there's ever a time we ought to pray more and not less, it's when we're in trouble. 
That's the reason I say America tonight needs to pray. We're in trouble. Now's not the time to slack up. Now's not the time to lighten up. Now's not the time to back up. Buddy, when we're overwhelmed by life, pray and pray and pray. By the way, Jesus taught us that. You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And I mean all the forces of hell was pressing down on him. I mean, man, he was just hours away from Calvary. He was just hours away from that beating and, and, and the suffering of that cup and separation from the Father. And the Bible said that while he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, according to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, the Bible said, in being in an agony, he prayed, what's the next word? He prayed more. He didn't pray less. Hey, he didn't call Peter, James, and John and said, boys, come in here, let's talk about what's about to happen. No, sir. He got along with God. And the Bible said he prayed more earnestly. Let me just say, if your life is a mess, you got problems upon problems, don't quit praying. Ladies and gentlemen, pray more. Pray more. Pray more when the problems mount. The prudence of a praying. I thought about this. Look at this the posture of her praying. She was not like Penina. Not, Hannah was not like Penina who was proud and inconsiderate. No, sir. Hannah, when she starts talking to God, she humbles herself. Can I show you what she said? Look at verse number 10. Uh, verse number 10. I wrote these. No, verse 11. The Bible says she prayed and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine. What's the next word? She calls herself a handmaid. If you look down at verse, is it verse number, uh, verse number 16? The Bible said twice in that verse, that uh, verse 16, verse 17, she calls herself an handmaid. In other words, what she's called herself, just a little servant girl. She said, God, I don't come up here, and Lord, this is not false humility. No, sir, Lord, I'm not just, just telling you everything but I don't believe it myself. You know, false humility is nothing more than pride. I've heard some people, boy, they just want to talk about how bad they are and all that, but it's just, it's just for somebody to say, oh, you're not that bad. Man, you're one of the best Christians I know of. That's just, that's just pride. But not her. When she got up there, she humbled herself. Boy, I'll tell you what we ought to do when we come into God's presence. We ought to humble ourselves. I'll tell you what we need to do in America tonight. Boy, we need to humble ourselves. It'd probably do us all good to get on our face and just wiggle our way up here to the altar and just get up here and just cry out to God. The posture of her praying. Notice the passion of her praying. Verse number 10, we're told that she wept sore. In verse number 15, we're told that she poured out her soul. She was passionate about this. You know, it's amazing to me how we're passionate about everything else but God. We're passionate about everything else but prayer. We're passionate about our sports team. You better not talk about the Tar Heels. You better not talk about the Blue Devils. You better not talk about the Red Sox. You better not talk about the... We're passionate about that. We're passionate about our hobbies. We'll talk about riding four-wheelers. Uh, four four-wheelers. That shows how much I ride one. Four-wheelers. We're talking about, we're passionate about fishing. We're passionate about golf. We're passionate about our jobs. We're passionate about politics. Buddy, I'll tell you, bless your heart, you better not say nothing about 
about Hannity? He's the one who says, let not your heart be done. I got to tell you something, bless your heart. Hannity didn't come up with that. Long before Hannity said, let not your heart be troubled, there was a God in glory that said, let not your heart be troubled. Hey, brother, I'll tell you what. I, I appreciate Hannity. I appreciate Rush Limbaugh, but they ain't my God, friend. I'm passionate about this thing. I want our country to turn around and get right with God. But bless your heart, I'm more passionate about God than I am about politics. Yeah, man. She was passionate about this. The Bible said, if you look at James 5, verse number 16, the last sentence says, the effectual. Can I put this word in there? The effectual, fervent. Uh, fervent. Can I say it like this? The passionate prayer of a righteous person does what? I'm telling this now, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray. That ain't going to touch the heart of God. But I mean when the hot tears begin to course and we pour out our we empty our souls out to God with a broken heart. We get passionate about that. How in the world can we expect God to earnestly answer us if we are not earnestly asking Him? Passionate praying. The posture, the passion, the, uh, the uh, prudence. Notice this, the persistency. Look again at verse 12. The Bible said this in verse 12. And it came to pass as she, what's the next word? Continued praying. This just wasn't a one-time prayer. She went up there to meet with God. She went to the house of God. She went up there to meet with God. And buddy, she wasn't going to turn loose until God answered her prayer. Can I say this? God's delays are not always God's denials. Many times God is just testing our dedication and our determination. Too many times we pray once, twice, three times, and we give up and we move on. We ought to be like Hannah and just continue. We with the attitude, oh God, you've got like Jacob. I'm not going to let you go till you do something for me. I'm not going to quit praying till you bless me, Lord. The persistency of her praying. Notice this, the petition, the petition of her praying. Look again at verse 11. I like this in verse 11. She just didn't say, God, give me a child. But she was specific about it. Notice she said, give thine handmaid a man child. Now I'm sure... I'm sure she would have loved a little girl. Who don't love little girls? I got a little girl granddaughter. I love her to death with all my heart. She don't say idiot. She's too kind and reformed. She calls people Indians. <laughs> Who wouldn't love a little granddaughter, a little girl? Man, you got to love little kids. But can I tell you something? She's more specific. Maybe, maybe she has read or been told that the Messiah would be born of a woman. And maybe, maybe she's just specifically saying, God, please give me a man. You know what? We pray too ge in generals too much. Hey, don't pray that God will save the world. Pray God will save your loved ones and call their names specifically. Man, quit praying in, in generalities. Pray in particulars. Pray specifically. Buddy, if you got a problem with sin, take that sin to God and say, Oh God, deliver me, not from this. Call the name of it. Be specific. God, specifically, I need you to do this in my life. God, specifically, I'm asking you to bring my boy back. I'm specifically asking you, thank God, bring everybody's boys and girls back. But, oh, God, please bring my boy back. Call his name out. Be specific. She got specific in her praying. But then I like this. Look again at verse 11. There is the promise of her prayer, her praying. In verse number 11, watch this. With Hannah, it wasn't all get, get and no give. 
It wasn't like, God, give me this. God, give me this. God, I, get this for me. You know what she says in reality? God, if you'll give to me, God, I'll give to you. Now, she's not bargaining with the Lord, but she's just making God a promise. If you will indeed, look at this, give unto thine handmaid a man's out. I'll give, unto, I'll give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You know, too many times we pray selfishly. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, give me that mercury boat. Is that the name of a boat, mercury? God, give me that boat. And then God gives it to us and we lay out of church and ride around at the pond on Sunday. God, give me that browning shotgun. Then we lay out at the house of God and get up in a tree stand, hunt deer on Sunday morning. God, give me. What is it ladies want? What? Money. God, give me that money. And then you shopping over at Walmart on, on the Lord's Day. Listen, friend, it ain't all give and no get. It ain't all get and no give. Buddy, I'm telling you, when God answers a prayer for us, we ought to at least give God the praise for it. We ought to at least say, God, you've given this to me. Now I'm going to give something back to you. Amen. Increase your offering a little bit. <laughs> Moving right along. She came to the Lord. She called upon the Lord. But then look at this, and I'm done. She continued for the Lord. She continued for the Lord. If you look at this last phrase, you know old, old Eli here, he thinks she's drunk, and man, he's got problems. We know he's got problems. But then if you look down verse number 18, she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up early in the morning, rose up in the morning early, and worshiped before the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Watch this. When Hannah went to church that day, that service changed her life. I mean, she went up there with all these problems. She went up there with this mess going on in her life. But by the time this service was over, her life had been changed. I said this this morning, but who knows what, what may, who knows if this may be the service that somebody's life gets changed. Can I show you, if you'll look back at verse 7, before she went to church, is it verse 7? Uh, yeah, verse 7. Before she got there, the Bible said she wept and she did not eat. But if you'll jump down to verse number 18, when she leaves church that day, the Bible said this, number one, physically, she was changed. Because in verse 7, she wouldn't eat, but we come to verse 18, and we find out physically God had helped her because she did eat. Boy, aren't you glad a good... Can I tell you something? A good old-fashioned Holy Ghost service will do for your inside what a good old-fashioned hot bath will do for your outside. Amen. Amen. Physically, she had been changed. Can I say this? Number two, emotionally, she had been changed. Back up in verse 7, she's got tears running down her cheeks. But in verse number 18, the Bible said she's, her, her countenance was changed and she was no more sad. Boy, I tell you, a good service will lift you up physically. I've come to church just as tired, wore out. But I tell you, God moved and I walk out of here and I think, man, I think I'd go work another eight hours right now. I've been to church on an emotional low and 
and been discouraged and depressed, but God done something and God helped me. Boy, I think, man, on the inside, I walk out of here and I'm whistling, got a spring in my step. God has met with us. He did something for her physically and emotionally. But watch this. He did something for her spiritually. In verse 19, the Bible said that she got up early and she worshiped before the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, her child, her childlessness was a mystery, but her attitude seems to be after she went to church and prayed and talked to God. Her attitude seems to be this. You know, if God helps me, that's fine. But if he don't help me, that's fine. I'm going to worship him anyway. Her problems are still there. She hadn't even been touched yet. But God helped her. And she says in verse number 19, if God does it wonderful, and if he don't do it wonderful, I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to serve him. That trip to the house of God changed her life. And what I want to say to you is, and we got to go because Columbo's getting ready to come on. But can I just say this? This may, You don't want to miss a service because the service you miss may have been the service that was going to change your life. Boy, God helped her. God did something for her. And who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows what God might do for somebody in this room tonight. She went up, she called out, and she just worship God. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father,